0: Welcome to the Business Trend Center Podcast, where we teach you all about trends and how to use them to grow your business. My name is Manny Turan.
1: And I'm Adam Hartung.
0: And we are Spark Partners. As always, very excited to be here to learn about how to grow your business uh, using trends and understanding how your customers operate. Please go to our website at sparkpartners.com. And in uh, you know at Spark Partners, we talk about all kinds of things. We don't get political we do dive in however to things that we feel are important to talk about with respect to business and one of those topics that we're going to talk about today is that of climate change irrespective if you believe it's man-made or not it doesn't matter i want to talk about that with adam and i want to get adam's thoughts on the implications to business so adam give me your thoughts
1: but I know that most people, when they hear the words climate change, they think of things like the polar ice caps melting and um, perhaps the oceans raising one centimeter or three centimeters over the course of a decade. And it tends to make them not very excited. It's kind of like, I don't care what happens on the North Pole or the South Pole. You know, it's not affected my house. Or I don't know, unless I live right on a, a beachfront in uh, South Carolina or Florida, you know, these small changes, of, you know, a half inch or an inch. Of, of water going up or down in the ocean. How does that really affect me? And so that tends to be the attitude that people take about this. And what I wanna do is hope that today we can start saying, wait a minute, this idea is much bigger than that. It is affecting everybody and it's affecting everybody today. And it's going to continue to affect you for the next 20 years. And we know that just because of the amount, the temperature's already risen. And because we know that you know, there's nothing we can do in the short term. Over the course of ten to twenty years, the the, the we know what's going to happen. Beyond know, twenty years, we don't know what's going to happen. All right, it gets back into politics. But for the next ten to twenty years, it's pretty predictable, like demographics. And the point is, if you know a trend is out there, and if you know it's going to happen, I'm always trying to get people to put that into their planning. And want to get? I want to see if we can get across or build a bridge here to, between something that's as big as climate change and planning for your organization, planning for your company, right? So we can start to make it very real. Uh, let me give you just one example, and this this actually links back to demographics. But did you know that it depends on the source of the data? And I have looked at data from the moving companies as well as looked at data from the the, the federal government. Somewhere in the range of sixty eight to 75% of people will never move or live more than 50 miles from their original hometown.
0: I, I absolutely believe that. I actually have a, a great story. I was uh, in, in Michigan, and I was at a vendor, and I uh, went up to the, the uh, receptionist, and she was probably 50 years old. And we got to talking, and it turns out that she'd never left her town except for one time when she was 20. And it <laughs> boggled my mind. And so that's one data point. Another data point is my my own hometown of, of uh, Douglas. Here, um, everybody just moves okay. to Tucson or just stays there the whole life. I get it. Yeah.
1: Now, to me, this is kind of fascinating because. My whole life, I've thought, I want to go where the money is. You know, I want to go where I can have a good job. I want to go where I can do well and advance my career and grow as a person, grow as a professional. These are the thoughts that always helped me along. And so from from small-town rural America, it pushed me into what I thought was a big city. I went to college in Wichita, Kansas. But then, you know, went on to, to other bigger cities. And I can say that I've lived on both coasts as well as across the United States. And the interesting thing to me is that as I meet people, they're not thinking about often where they should live or where they should have a business. Instead, they're just like, well, I'm here. You know, and they kind of, it's an autopilot thing. I'm here. My family is here. Why would I want to change that? And what I want to try to get across is wait a minute, that's a decision. It's a decision that you're making. Are you making it, that decision wisely? I know that it was about six years ago, seven years ago, I made the decision that I was going to leave Chicago after 25 years, and I was gonna move to Las Vegas. And all of my friends and colleagues in Chicago said, you're not gonna pull it off, you're really not gonna do it, you're gonna buy the land, you're gonna start building the house, but when it comes time, you won't move. After the house was built, which took 18 months, and I'm moving to Las Vegas, then they said, well, you'll be back. You'll be back six months through a year, you'll be back. And I was kind of fascinated by that. And and it goes back to this notion that, okay, I've lived somewhere a long time, I have a lot a network, I have a lot of connections. And these people were saying, they were so tied to that, that they weren't gonna leave. They weren't really seeing that they had an option to move, right, to go somewhere new. I, for one, had never, I wasn't originally from Chicago, so I wasn't a terribly big fan of the weather there. But as the polar vortexes came along and we could see what was happening with climate change, it was quite clear that Chicago was going to swing back and forth between very, very hot summers and very, very cold winters. So it's going to the weather was not going to get any better. I guess is what I would say about it. And with the demographic trends that were happening, people were leaving the state. And so I selected to go somewhere that where the, the uh, uh, where the population was growing and where jobs were growing, and uh, where the population of the age of fifty was growing. And and it turned out quite well for me as I made that move. Now let's think about this a little bit more. I was having a recent conversation with a friend uh, I've known. Uh, uh, Michael Houlihan for 20 years. And Michael has lived in Hillsburg, California. Uh, he uh, was the original founder of Barefoot Wines, right? And so um, yeah. long been a fan of the wine country, and you know, he was very successful building that brand up and then he sold it off to Gallo. And uh, just a promoter, promoter, promoter of his hometown where he lived, Hillsburg, California. But you're probably aware that the wine country has been gripped with wildfires the last few years. There's been wildfires up in the russian river valley there's been wildfires in sonoma county there's been wildfires in napa county and um he has chosen to stay even though he's no longer in the wine business he was telling me this weekend we had a brief conversation that um he has spent almost a hundred thousand dollars trying to further uh, improve the fire safety of his home. He's had to spray the outside of his house with some kind of a product that reduces the fire. He's had to add a layer of something onto his roof. Um, He's had to remove all of the brushes, all the bushes, trees, anything. There can be no limbs or anything within 10 foot of his house and preferably 20 foot of his house. So bushes that he has been growing for years and years, he had to remove. He'd had to do all this over $100,000. He's still not done. And it's not that he moved, it's just that the climate changed. And because of that climate change, it's now cost him a lot of money. And he said he still doesn't know what his insurance rate's gonna be. I did a quick check and I was looking, there's a house in Southern California that pays $1.9 million per year in insurance. It's probably the most that's expensive- r- That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, well, well, the issue is that the insurance companies are now having to react to climate change. You know, we have more hurricanes have been hitting the Gulf Coast and the lower East Coast, right? So, and then the climate, you know, the most recent hurricane that came through New Orleans continued to pack rain all the way up the East Coast. You know, we had flooding all the way up into Philadelphia, New Jersey, New York, towards Boston. Um, So, this this is a real thing. This climate, you know, this this thing that's happening is affecting real people. It's causing, you know, the, the bigger waves whenever we get big moons. It's causing um, more rain whenever the hurricanes come. It's causing the creation of more hurricanes. More hurricanes are hitting Hawaii. It's causing dryness and droughts in the West, especially right now and that's causing fires and wildfires and these things are causing insurance companies to start saying you know what if you want to live you know in some of these places you're going to pay a lot more for insurance so i mean there's a real impact of this and i think people have to sit down and say okay i might have lived somewhere for a long time but is it where i should live is this the right place for me to live and then that should lead us towards thinking about businesses and where are businesses likely to go and as a business person you should be asking yourself again where would I want to have my business? And you need to be thinking about this climate impact. Do you want to be someplace? Uh, you know, for years and years and years in the industrial era, you know, uh, Detroit, Chicago, Toledo, Minneapolis, Milwaukee. These were towns. You know, Erie, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. People wanted to be access to the Great Lakes, access to the Great Waters, access to the inland waterways. And a cool temperature, because when you're working with steel and you're making products out of steel and those types of materials, making automobiles and building supplies, you know, it's good to have cool weather because of the heat that's generated in the production process. So the access to water and all that meant that it was a great place to have those businesses. But we're not in the industrial area anymore, right? We're not there. We're making different stuff now. And as we're making different stuff, we should say to ourselves, well, where do I want to be? Do I want to be in Texas, which has been getting a lot of press lately um, because it's got uh, apparently low taxes? I'm not an expert on these things, but they brag about having lower taxes there. Well, let's think about that for a minute. Okay. In the summertime in Texas, it gets 115, 116 degrees, depending on what part of the state you're in. And then last winter, of course, they had a cold snap that put millions of people out of power. There was an amazing amount of damage that was done in the state. The same phenomenon that had happened in Chicago. The winters are colder, the summers are hotter, right? And so now you have this happening in Texas. Is that a good place to put your business? For years, all we thought about was, well, okay, what does the demand situation look like? and. Where do I get preferential treatment, say, from the, the local business, uh, the, the local authorities? You know, can I get a tax break on my property taxes or my income taxes? Or, you know, could I get some kind of lower rent by moving into a park that was subsidized? But there's a lot more I think people should be thinking about now whenever they're thinking about where their business is located, you know, and and what, what this trend of climate change is going to mean for them.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of the... the- the questions that we talk about are these uh, these internal questions that the uh, startup owner or the business owner or the executive needs to make for their business where they where they are, what sort of business they're going to be in. You know, we talked about this in the past about uh, the coming freight train of uh, or derailment of the peak oil, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the, the electric car on the horizon, already here on the horizon, autonomous vehicles on the horizon. And people still don't move. They don't make the decision. They're, they're sort of deer in the headlights because they'd rather not think about it than think about the full implications. And it goes back down to, to the fear we've talked about in the past as well. People are fearful. They don't want to think about it. The same reason why that woman never left her hometown. And I even asked her, why didn't you leave? And she says, well, I have everything I need here.
1: So what General happens when you don't now, right? And then, but we're seeing across America, we've already seen the decimation of the small rural town. Um, for many years, the, the locations of town were how were, they were as far apart as you could travel by horse in a day. So if you kind of look through the Great Plains, the Great Prairies, Kansas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, and then you get you know, up and towards Colorado and then look on the west side when you get into states like your own state of Arizona, Nevada, what we see the distances here were typically the distances you traveled in a day. If it was by horseback or if the towns were developed after rail, then it was the distance you would travel in a day by rail. But now does that important anymore? You know?
0: Not as much, no. <laughs>
1: yeah. And so we see, you know, why does this town that was once 15,000 people, it becomes 10 and then five and then 2,000 and then pretty soon there's just not a town at all anymore, right? There's nobody left there. So do you want to be the last person there when the houses are worth nothing? Is, that's kind of the point that you have to think about this. And so where are the businesses going to go going forward? And if you're not factoring in this climate change, that's a, that's a pretty serious mistake. You know, I, I've talked to a lot of people that have said they wanna move their business, for example, to the Carolinas. I say, why? They say, well, because a lot of people going to the Carolinas. And I'll start saying, well, what are the demographics of those people? Are they highly skilled people? Are they well-trained? Are they people that are gonna grow up a large economy? Um, or are they retirees, right? Uh, if they're retirees, that's not, a, that's not a good economy because we have the demographic problem that we've talked about in previous podcasts. So they say, well, but yeah, but demand creates, you know, there's going to be demand in that location because there's just so many people. Wow. Okay. Perhaps that's true. But then what happens if the outer bank, when those outer bank um, towns get hit by the catastrophe of, of these hurricanes? And then how long will the insurance companies pay for them to rebuild those homes? So the, 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 that's what you have to think through. I was also struck when the last big hurricane went into the Panhandle of, tech, of, um, of Florida. There was this town—I don't remember the name of it right now, top of my head—but it had a whole lot of houses right on the Gulf Coast. Beautiful homes, people enjoying the Gulf of Mexico. You know, not some, A lot of people living there full time. Some second homes. After the hurricane went through, there were two houses left just two. But these two houses had been constructed by a company that specifically went in and designed and built the house to be hurricane-proof. So they had done things like made it so that the lower level of the house, the sides would be swept away, the water could flow back and forth underneath the house, Um, the windows all had metal protection that came down over them so that they wouldn't be destroyed and had a special kind of roof on and on and on. Now, this house was more expensive to build, and it uh, was more effort to get it built. But Again, after the hurricane, these were the only two houses that were left in
0: that town. Remarkable.
1: Yeah. Now that's thinking about climate change. It's saying, well, if I do want to be here, if I want to have my business here, if I want to live in this place, I need to adapt. I can't just use standard, conventional, stick-built construction in the face of hurricanes. Same thing if you're going to live someplace where there's wildfires. You to have to do something like my friend Michael Hoolahan's doing. You know, build your house in a way that's far less susceptible to being uh, to to, to being uh, destroyed Um, there's a lot of people in California and there's a lot of regulatory agencies now saying if you build a new house in California you have to put a fire suppression system inside the house now they're going to fire suppression systems outside the house on the roof where people install effectively sprinkler systems now this is one thing say got a sprinkler system but then you have to think about power outages right and so what happens is they end up putting these enormous tanks they literally can hold like 500 gallons of water and they put a pump inside that tank that's a battery operated pump that's hooked up to a charger so that the battery stays in charge so that if there's a fire this tank is sitting there with the water with the sprinkler on the roof so that it can spray water out or it's got a special pump that hooks into the swimming pool so that it can pull water out of the swimming pool and pump that on the top of the house to try to keep the house from burning down these are the kinds of considerations that people have to start making if a new home is required to have that type of fire suppression on the outside fire suppression on the inside are you going to buy a conventional home and move in that area It seems like you're being told that's a high-risk situation, right? If you don't want to spend money on that fire suppression, expect your house to burn down because there's probably going to be a wildfire that will sweep through your area. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. And are you going to be prepared? So these are the things I think people as individuals need to think about, but we also want to think about as businesses. You know, there are people that came into the wine country and, and put up small businesses because it had a lot of tourists. They also have, I mean, it's an agricultural community uh, anywhere from down the south end, down around Napa, Petaluma on the north end up towards Hillsburg and a little bit beyond. Um, and then all the way east, you know, to, to Calistoga, Healdsburg uh, and St. Helena. This is a pretty big area, right? It's a pretty big geography. It's a big agriculture area, a lot of people in it. And the question becomes, all right, if I'm going to support those people, what kind of businesses am I going to have to support them? And how do I try to protect those businesses? What would, be a good, what would be a good effort for me? You know, what would make that successful? One thing might be you get into the fire suppression business. Might yeah. be you get into the landscaping business to help people remove traditional landscape and put up landscape that's uh, far less likely to burn. Or might be even resistant to burning, like a lot of the cacti are, right? So these are the kinds of things that I think everybody should be putting into their personal planning and that business people should be thinking about as well.
0: I agree. Yeah, the the business community. If you're thinking about starting a, a business, it's a lot more than just whatever your hunch is. Yeah, I think that this uh, town needs another brewery, or I think this town needs another uh, landscaping business. And these conversations happen all the time. The next level, the next few levels that that business owners need to need to make is okay. Well, that's a hunch. Now let's go out and test it against demographics. Let's test it against the market. Let's let's talk to people you'd be uh, surprised, I mean, not you, Adam, because we talk about this all the time, but a lot of people don't really understand their customers. They, they have a product or service, they hang a shingle outside their door, and then they wait. Yeah. And how many, how many businesses have we talked to that, are, that, are, uh, that the market ran away from them? Right? We've talked about Harley-Davidson. We've talked about various uh, car dealerships and some of the, fa- the issues that they're going to face in the future. And it's all about understanding where your customers are going. I mean, it's, it's an onward moving. And by the way, we're not gloom and doom here. We're not saying that the sky is falling because we want to be gloom and doom. We're just being factual about what's happening with the changing environment, the changing weather, the changing demographics of how people buy and sell or when they're moving to. These are all things that need, people need to open their eyes to because otherwise they're just hanging a shingle and, and, and playing Russian roulette.
1: Another good friend of mine is Buckley Brinkman. He's head of the Wisconsin Council of Manufacturing and Productivity. And uh, a phrase that he's told me many times is ever since they invented air conditioning, people have been moving south. (laughs) And so um, because he works in Wisconsin, he likes to bring that up. Well, I'm going to think about this. For the longest time, people have been moving south, like he said. But there's. Are you going to want to do that or are you going to want to go to these uh, in Alabama, Mississippi and the southern states or to the southwestern states like Arizona um, it, with this change in climate? I said more hurricanes in the south, more hurricanes on the Gulf Coast. And in the south, we've seen big changes. I can remember when Motorola first moved its uh, chip making facility to Phoenix. You know, here was this company. It was in suburban Chicago, and it goes down to Phoenix and sets up a chip-making plant. And there were people that from Chicago that moved to Phoenix, and they talk about the days that it was 100, 105. Now, you live in that area, Manny, and you know, we're seeing record hot summers now in that part of the world. You know, whereas 115, 117 was a rarely seen event. We see year after year reaching the temperatures 115, 116, 117 degrees. And you know, I'm starting to get so hot that the asphalt doesn't... Uh, perform well, we get buckling in the roads um, and it just becomes difficult for people to live their lives with those extreme temperatures. So where once it seemed like the smart thing to do was move south, take air conditioning with you as Buckley said, take advantage of those southern climates. Now we have to think about this. Is it really the right thing to do? Do you really want to try to set up a business in a place like Phoenix, which is going to be you know, just uh, very, very hot? Uh, Is it going to benefit from that?
0: Here's one thing about Phoenix. So Phoenix is uh, is a leading edge place to live. They're, they're not just sitting, sitting around waiting for things to happen. They're actually testing out right now some new form of pavement and new form of concrete that will be 10 degrees cooler. And they believe that by doing that, by implementing these new sorts of building materials, that they will be able to stave off some of those uh, record heat Situation.
1: Which is smart. See, that's that's paying very smart. Attention, paying attention to climate change, it's not saying, oh, you know, this is the way you build a road, and just going ahead and doing the way you've always done it, but rather, as you said, you know, can we use different materials? I've read uh, things about, as you know, being in Las Vegas, I read a lot about uh, roofing materials, and t- there has been discussion that if you take and you can convince all the people in a place like Vegas or um, fit Tucson or Phoenix, or get a lot of them t- to make their roofs white instead of any other color. It actually can change the temperature in the community because the f- reflectiveness of the white on the, on the roof will make a difference. They said, if you can convince them to paint the sides of the houses white, it'll make a difference. And they talk about the Mediterranean where apparently they've done this for many, 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 many years. Uh, you know, Before they had air conditioning, people used these techniques to help keep it cool in the Mediterranean or, or places in the Middle East where they did some of these techniques. And the question becomes, are we taking that through? Are we implementing on those ideas to try to figure out how to live in the new climate?
0: yeah there there's a, a another thing about water and these droughts like you mentioned, you know water's get, gonna become a bigger and bigger deal uh, year by year. I mean, if you think about what happened just recently here with Lake Powell and there's now water rationing going to be happening in Arizona. And so we need to be really mindful and open our eyes to these situations. Again, not gloom and doom. I mean, these things are happening. You can either be the naysayer that says, "Nah, it's not going to happen," and be left behind, like that uh, the last uh, you know wheelwright as they were building uh, uh, you know Model Ts down the road, <laughs> or are you going to just say, "You know what? It's the changing times. We're going to just make it happen, and we're going to join the, the the new generation." That reminds me of a of a, a company that I'm actually helping out. They're called Dynamic Water. And they, are, they have created a, an advanced way to um, purify the water that goes into these big industrial chillers and cooling towers for um, mega size air conditioning. Like casinos and hotels and hospitals and universities have these big, big towers that chill the water. But what happens is the water has a lot of calcium and other minerals that end up forming on the, the cooling plates. And so they have to put some very, very uh, caustic chemicals so they can't recycle the water very much. They think it's two or three times and then they've got to dip- dispose of the water. So they've created a technology that actually allows you to reuse that water seven or eight times. So thinking about that sort of technology, thinking about in your own community, and your own business, how can you think about the coming years? And again, adapting. We talked about adapting a lot adapting starts with with your own mindset right understanding that you know what it's not going to get better it's not going to get uh you know it's not going to suddenly you know start raining every single day we've got to make these decisions now so that we remain relevant and have that success for the long term
1: right i think if you're a small business person and you're thinking about someplace like the gulf can you help people hurricane proof their homes their businesses Uh, can you help people in the drought stricken areas make their places less susceptible to fire. Um, places that are reduced water, what can I do to help you use less water? What can I help you do to recycle water? What can I help you do to um, just make take advantage of the, that situation, be successful, as the amount of water there is, is not what it used to be. It's not available. You know, these, that's the other side of the coin, as we said. It's the opportunity. How can I help somebody to be successful in that situation? And I I think that's the point that um, not enough people are thinking about in their business today. Here's his two big trends demographics, the aging of the population, movements across the country, that sort of thing that we've talked about quite a bit. And now I'm talking about um, climate change. Are you actually thinking about that in your plan? Or does your plan just assume? the people will be able assume that the place you're located is the best place to be. Uh, that's the things that I think you have to keep in mind, right? And, and then you have to be, be dis- make a decision about it. Don't just let it wash over you, you know? Don't just sit there and let the world take advantage of you, but rather you should take advantage of the opportunities that the world gives you. And you do that by paying attention to these trends and building on these trends.
0: Yeah, they goes the same for automation. Uh, I was at uh, Walmart the other day. I had to go in there and buy some things, and I was uh, stricken, and I was actually chuckling inside. I ended up taking a picture and posting it on our social media pages about a, uh, one of these sort of sweeping, mopping robots, like a giant-sized Roomba that was cruising inside Walmart. And then I went to go pay, and every single uh, manned teller, you know, with a, with an actual person. Was closed down, and it was all the the automated ones where you actually have to run mm-hmm. the the codes through your own uh, products. And I was just taking it aback. This is the 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 world's largest retailer is now shifting towards uh, automation uh, at a very high level. And so it's happening. It's here. So either you're going to get you're going to join the chorus, or you're going to try to fight it and end up being swept away by the 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 current of innovation.
1: Right. And I think we should, you know, we'll do some future podcasts on what's going to happen in automation and artificial intelligence. Uh, But these these trends all blend together. You know, we're talking about demographics, you talk about uh, climate change, and we talk about robotics, automation, artificial intelligence, what happens is they build on each other, you know, when you have a shortage of people, you need automation. Uh, when you have uh, harsh conditions you need automation and so they combined and and that's where we get into the creating the future scenarios you know what will my town look like in five years what will my industry look like in five years what will my business look like in five years I always say that people tend to do all their planning from the past and they say well this is what I've sold who I've sold it to where I've sold it this is my means of business back here behind me and that if you follow in that you're just assuming that the future will look like the past so it worked then so it will work in the future only if the world stays the same but if the world changes then you're going to need those factors to change and the question is are you looking ahead are you thinking about these things and how they'll impact the world around you and incorporating those so that you are you know making your business prepared you know planning from the for the future rather than planning from the past is what we want to do get out there and plan for that future and then we can make it happen
0: I thoroughly agree, and I'm glad that we're uh, showing people these things because otherwise, uh, many of them are going to be lost. There's lots of small businesses out there that are sort of just business as usual, and they're just something's going to happen, right? We talk about punctuated equilibrium. We had the pandemic that hit us a year and a half ago, and there's going to be other things happening. And are you going to be ready? And and we have our course called Think Innovation, which prepares you in a very systematic way to fully understand trends and understand how you can adapt your business to these trends. A lot of, about is, uh, a lot of, of the course is about understanding your customers and I don't think that uh, conventional uh, business school or even conventional wisdom has a lot to say about understanding your customers. And so I invite everybody to take a look at our course. Adam and I will also be developing another course on a couple of courses actually, a, a family of courses on lock-in. And uh, we've talked about it in the past, and, and certainly uh, we're excited to be able to share that with, uh, with our listeners and viewers as well. Um, any final thoughts, Adam, before we uh, conclude today's podcast?
1: I just hope everybody takes a little bit of time to go on their computer or their mobile device and, and do some research on what the future of climate change where you are. Every, there's plenty of people out there writing about it, right? There's plenty of scientists looking at it from a global view all the way down to very specific views of communities. So just do some research, you know, just use that Google tool and see if you can't find out what's what's likely to happen where you are over five to 10 years and make that part of your decision-making process.
0: Excellent advice. Well, thank you very much, Adam. We'll talk to you next week. Until next time, uh, cheers, and we'll talk to you later.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.